Hello, and welcome to Gay for Horror, the show where not all the movies are gay, but I sure am. Hi, I'm going to talk about Crawl, finally. I saw Crawl two weeks ago, and I didn't mean to talk about it two weeks ago, and I didn't, and I just never made it. Um, but I'm here now, and as Blanche Devereaux says, better late than pregnant. So <laughs> I'm prepared to talk about Crawl a little bit late. Um I might not remember it as well as I'd like to, but this will be my review of Crawl as I remember it from when I saw it two weeks ago, which is fun because you might get a different movie than what actually is there. And when you go, you'll have a surprise and realize that maybe some of the things I said are not totally accurate. Uh, I had a really bizarre experience, by the way, um, watching The Shining of this sort. I had I watched The Shining for the first time uh not just for a college paper, but actually the evening I was to write the complete college paper, which I did not start until probably after 10 p.m. And The Shining is a well over two-hour movie. <laughs> and so I, I I must have pressed play on The Shining at about 10.30 or something in order to watch the whole movie and also write a five-page paper about it. Uh, and I, I, I was surely not done. Um, in the wee hours of the morning at like 4 a.m., I was probably watching and rewatching The Shining, trying to write a paper that was due the next day. And I, for the life of me, I... When I watched The Shining that one time, I am certain that I saw scenes that aren't in the movie because I must have dozed off. And I also am sure that I missed scenes that are in the movie because I must also have dozed off. So uh, some things I don't remember, some things I think I had added. I'm almost confident that I described things in the paper that aren't actually in the movie. And I didn't get a response from that paper that was like, are you okay? Should you seek counseling? Uh, so maybe they weren't so major, but there is, there's, there's a couple of things I do remember. I mean, one is that I don't remember at all having seen the, the, the moment in The Shining where Grady talks to Jack in the bathroom or the ghost of Grady, who's the guy who killed his whole family with an ax. I don't, I just didn't see that scene. I must've fallen asleep. And then I also was certain that I wrote about a moment in the bicycle uh, hallway shots where the camera, uh, the city cam follows the bike and then stops in the middle of the hall and the bike moves ahead of the steady cam. Uh, there's a shot kind of like that. There's a shot where the steady cam is far from the bike, which is unusual, but there's no moment where you see the steady cam stop while the bike is in motion. And I was sure that that existed. And I was so sure that when I taught intro to film for the first time, I went to try and find that moment to use in my, my presentation and it's not there. So I must've imagined it, but I think I put about in the paper. The point being, I saw the shining in an, a totally uh, unusual way. And I, I don't, think that what I wrote about or how I remembered it was accurate. And then a year later when I rewatched it, I, I was like a totally different movie. So Crawl is not quite like that because it's not that I don't remember anything about <laughs> Crawl or that I fell asleep. It's just two weeks ago, so give or take a couple of details. It might be foggy, but I decided we should lean into the experience and enjoy it for what it is. Um, so first of all, if you don't know what Crawl is, Crawl is a is a, a can, currently available wide release uh, horror movie, uh, which is out in the U.S. at least. And um, it stars Caius Godelero from the U.K. show Skins, which if you've not seen that show, that show's really fun. It's like, it's the darker 
Gossip Girl, kind of, from the UK. Although it's actually quite maybe in competition with Euphoria, which is that new HBO show, uh, in terms of having very uh, uncomfortable and quite graphic teen situations. Uh, and uh, and Barry Pepper. Uh, Barry Pepper plays a dad, just kind of Scudelera. She is a swimmer who is returning to her family home to look for her dad in a hurricane in Florida. And uh, she finds him having been attacked by alligators <laughs> and they get trapped in their family home with alligators. Uh, I would loosely describe this. My very simplistic pitch, by the way, would be very much the shallows meets don't breathe. Uh, the Shallows was that movie from 2016 with Blake Lively where she uh, gets stuck on a rock surrounded by sharks. Uh, and the, and Don't Breathe is, I think, also from 2016. And that's uh, uh, J- Jane Levy. And she's trapped in a house with a, um, a killer. Uh, and this is kind of like that plus that because it's being trapped in a house underwater with alligators so it's a creature water thriller but also kind of a trapped in a house thriller mixed together it's trapped in a house with water and creatures and it's really really fun so if you haven't if you haven't seen it yet and uh you know the sort of very simplistic review is i think it's really fun and you should go see it um but i'm going to talk about some things here uh uh that came up for, for me otherwise um I'm going to do this uh, very much like I did last time, which is that I'm going to start non-spoiler, and then I'm going to ring a physical bell, which sounds like this, and then switch to spoilers, and the bell means we're switching from non-spoiler to spoiler. I, I, Again, I could just tell you that I'm switching to spoilers, but the bell makes it festive, so I like it. Um, <laughs> um, I wanted to say about this movie, uh, especially, I have something that's almost a concept in my life and the way I watch horror movies that I want to explain as a way of kind of, you know, giving a light non-spoiler review of this movie. Uh, and I probably will reference this again at some point if I ever continue to make more of these, <laughs> these things. Um, but that's a concept that I call mediocre horror. And I want to preface this by saying mediocre is not a value judgment here. Um, I know it sounds like one, but I, and also I want to add to, by the way, mediocre horror is like actually my favorite thing. And so to me, it's actually a high point of flattery. Um, but the way I refer to mediocre horror in my life and the way I would say to someone, um, you know, trying to describe the movie. Oh, it's a really great mediocre horror movie. I don't mean mediocre in the sense that it's actually not good. I mean mediocre as a sort of average. You know, it's it's a, it's a, a, a kind of a conventional genre movie that does what it does really well. And that, by the way, is I sincerely like my favorite kind of movie. I mean, very often I intentionally seek out what I would call a mediocre horror movie, which is a really enjoyable, well-done um, version of whatever it is, whether it's a haunted house movie or a slasher movie or a creature movie. Uh, haunted houses are my favorite. Uh, but I very often want that specific experience. So to say mediocre horror in, in my universe is actually a really big compliment and not an, uh, an insult to the quality of the movie. In fact, uh, to me, a mediocre horror movie has to be good 
uh, or else I wouldn't call it a mediocre horror movie. I'd call it a, a bad horror movie. Uh, <laughs> and Crawl is not a bad horror movie, but it's a very mediocre horror movie in the sense that I think if you know if you've seen the trailer for the movie, or if you have a you just hear a two sentence synopsis, I think you know very much what the movie is, and then that's what the movie is, and it's not you know there's no sort of secret or surprise, which for me is a great experience, uh, and and that's kind of why I want to frame this in that way. Because there's so many reviews that describe that kind of thing negatively. And to me, it's not negative. And I think if you're a fan of horror movies, that's not negative to say, oh, it's a, you know, Crawl is a really well done creature movie. It has, uh, you know, a strong main character. It has an arc for the character. It has an arc for the antagonist. It has the, 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 the gator uh, threat evolves and grows in tandem with the growth of the character. And then it resolves in an ending which ties together the character arc and the antagonist, you know, scary, dangerous, what's it, you know, threat. Very, very quite quintessentially, and I'll talk about this in spoilers, but quite quintessentially, the two are really merged, and Crawl is a really blueprint example for that. And that, to me, is a, is a really great mediocre horror movie, meaning it's exactly what I wanted. I went in, I wanted to see this girl fight alligators and learn something about herself, and she did. And I had a good time, and it was scary, and it was exciting, and it was interesting, and I cared about whether people lived or died. And, and, every, every, you know, and everything turned out kind of okay. Um, <laughs> and that, to me, is a really great mediocre horror movie because it's, it's everything I want from the genre experience. And to me, that is not a negative descriptor. I read, I've, I've actually chosen to see many, many movies based more so on the bad reviews than the good reviews. And a lot of times you'll see this for horror movies. If you ever are looking at um, Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic for horror movies, uh, you'll see this a lot in reviews. You'll see people, uh, you know, critics will write, uh, I think this is almost an exact paraphrase, but it was, you know, we'll write things like, this is an expertly done, old-fashioned haunted house movie. But it's not anything more than that. Uh, and then they give it a negative score. Uh, and w what that literally says is, this is a well-done version of what it's attempting to do. But it's not something else. And so you're grading it negatively because it's not something other than what it is. And sometimes a really experimental or altogether unexpected horror movie is a thing that we can love and celebrate. But I also want to love and celebrate really uh, you know, genre-driven, uh, very uh, uh, true-to-form classic horror movies. And so that to me is what mediocre horror is. So I, I will probably use that phrase again. And again, I will, pro I will try to explain it shorter next time. But it, it's, not, it's not to say that it's less than good. It's actually just to say that its aspirations are modest and it, it meets those aspirations beautifully. Uh, and, 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 and again, mediocre horror movies are actually like my favorite horror movie. <laughs> in a way, and the ones I seek out the most, as much as I want to watch every kind of horror movie, if it's just like a rainy Sunday afternoon, the thing I want to put on is actually something that would fit that expectation more so than something that will be very challenging and uh, really uh, stray from my set of desired experiential uh, expectations. So Crawl is, I think, a really great mediocre horror movie in the sense that I would say mediocre horror movie. 
Um, you know, I, I, and I, by the way, I strongly recommend that you go see it. Uh, I find that a lot of the critic reviews um, for movies in general lately, they tend to have this weird dual uh, nature. There's sort of two big headlines I've read all summer in, in movie journalism. One is basically uh, there's franchise fatigue and no one wants to go see franchise movies and, uh, you know, where's uh, sequelitis? And then the other is, uh, you know, save your money, don't go see this small movie based on an original concept, wait till the next uh, blockbuster, uh, which almost always means sort of a euphemism for a, a Disney movie. Uh, and and those, those headlines seem in tension with each other because one seems to suggest that people are tired of going to see blockbusters, and then the other seems to suggest to you as a moviegoer that you should not spend money on anything besides blockbusters. Um, and I, I imagine that those two headlines, even though they seem to not co- like complement each other, the reason why that they both are popular right now is because probably both of them get clicks, and in, in web journalism, clicks are everything, and so if, so if something gets a lot of traffic, even if it gets in sort of antagonistic traffic, like traffic dedicated to write comments that about why you're wrong and you should stop talking, uh, that's a positive because it, it cl- you know advertising on, it, on the line is driven by clicks, not satisfactory engagement. <laughs> not, I mean, not, not, a, not a satisfied experience is really driven by, by immediate attention. Um, and so I really, you know, in the context of crawl, I really just want to say like, I, you know, don't save your money for the next Disney movie. Like if you want to do that, sure. But like, don't be talked out of going to see something that is modest, well done, based on an original horror concept and successful at that. Um, there hasn't been a Gator movie in a while. I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know what the last alligator movie was. I feel like the only alligator movies I truly remember, I remember there was one in maybe the late 90s called Lake Placid in which Betty White made an appearance. Uh, and I almost only remember the Betty White appearance. And I feel like she, her storyline was that she was more so on the side of the Gators, which I respect. And <laughs> before that, I lots. I also remember there's a 1950s movie, which is a real hoot if you want to like Google for something unusual to watch um, for fun. It, there's one called The Alligator People, uh, which is super bonkers and is l- literally, uh, it's structurally borrowing from, I think, Invasion of the Body Snatchers in that it starts with a woman walking in and giving her account of her trials and tribulations. And it slowly inches you toward her climax of what happened to her before she got to the police station or wherever she is. Uh, uh, and it's that she's been attacked by like radioactive alligator people. And uh, <laughs> the reason why, the only, after the only thing I remember about the movie is that it's one of these movies where you don't see the alligator people for a great deal of time, and then there eventually there's a reveal of the alligator people. And <laughs> you can Google this. I'm sure it's on the internet somewhere. But the alligator people, it's just it's a man with the is standing upright with the complete physicality of a of a human man in an alligator like mask. That is the, the hardest plastic with the least move, like the least lifelike hard plastic alligator mask from like a, a, a Halloween store. Uh, and you can like see the seams that connect the gator part to his his uh, you know, shirt part. And uh, it's a tr- it's a truly uh, goofy looking costume. Um, but it's a really fun movie for, I and mean, partly for that reason, it's really. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's just an unusual movie. Anyway, so you wait the whole movie to see the gator, then you see the gator, and the gator is, uh, 
is something. Uh, so if you're looking for an interesting, odd movie from the 50s, go find Alligator People. But there hasn't been an Alligator movie in a while, and I, you know, I, I, I think, I think it's, I think we're due, and I think it's time, and I, I think this one is, 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 is really enjoyable. I'm going to switch to spoilers um, now-ish. I, I, you know, I don't have. I want, I want to say things about the movie, but I don't want to um, go on and on about uh, them without giving details. So, it, uh, but oh, but but if you are not going to stay for spoilers, here's something you might want to know. Uh, there is a dog in this movie, uh, and I I I I was quite tense about the dog because I do love dogs. Uh, and if you are a dog-minded human and you are upset about dogs in horror movies, uh, the first thing I'm going to spoil about the movie out in the spoiler section, I will tell you if you want to know uh, whether the dog lives. <laughs> so if you want to be spoiled as the fate of the dog, so as to you know, uh, soften any any uh, expectations or any nerves, because it actually made me quite nervous about the whole movie. Um, I will spoil that immediately once the spoiler section uh, begins. So again, if you'd like to know about the fate of the dog, I will spoil that first, and then I will proceed with other things. So please stay tuned for that information. Okay, I'm going to ring my bell, and then I'm going to switch to uh, spoilers. Okay, I have fewer things to say here than I did with Midsummer, and that will make us hopefully faster. By the way, if you're here for the dog, the dog lives... And the dog is fine. The dog is a-okay. So um, if that's all you wanted to know, you can leave now. Bye. Okay. So everyone else, um, uh, I have viewer things to say about this in Midsummer, and I'd like to keep this shorter because uh, last time I talked forever, and um, no one needs that again. So uh, I wanted to talk about a few points um, with particular details from the movie. Uh, that I thought of when I was watching it. There isn't there isn't a whole lot here. Uh, to really obsess over, uh, and 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 that goes back to the mediocre horror thing, which is just it's like it's quite conventional and uh, straightforward, which is it, to me totally enjoyable. But it, it gives me a bit less to sort of fuss about. Um, but one thing that came out for me watching this movie, and I think it's just come up a few times with recent horror movies, is this idea about what uh, how jump scares work, and when a jump scare is happening. Because I find I've I, you know I read one review for Annabelle Comes Home that said this movie is so over reliant on jump scares, and then I read another review for Annabelle Comes Home that says uh, this movie uses hardly any jump scares, <laughs> and it leads me to believe that we are not universally using jump scare to mean the same thing, <laughs> or else that would not be possible to have those sort of diametrically opposed reviews. Uh, and so I wanted to just talk a little bit about what I think jump scares are and how I think they work and when they're effective and also what what in this movie might be a jump scare or isn't a jump scare. I feel like a lot of reviews have accused this movie of uh, using jump scares. Uh, and I'm not saying it doesn't at all, but I'm not sure that I know what that means anymore <laughs> based on how people are using it. I, I, I watched a compilation video on YouTube that was, because I was kind of trying to do a little bit of a, like, pull it. 
preliminary. There, I got it. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have a seizure. I just, I just got stupid. Um, preliminary research on, okay, well, how are people talking about jump scares, really, and how have they been talked about? Uh, and I watched a compilation video on YouTube based around a certain horror series. I don't want to say what it was, because I don't want to, like, make this a thing that you can find, because uh, I'm going to possibly say something a bit critical. Um, <laughs> but uh, a compilation video of jump scares from a certain horror series, and... Man, they they put everything in that. Oh, they put like a thump at the window in that compilation as a jump scare, like and not even like a dramatic loud thump, just like a thump, just you know, just like just like a noise in the distance. I mean, they put anything that was uh, sudden or or maybe loud or just even a little bit loud as a jump scare. Uh, they put things that are. I mean, things that aren't even scares in the compilation of jump scares. I, I just leads me to believe that I don't quite know what that means anymore or that there's no consensus on what that means anymore. Um, so how I, how I would use jump scare, by the way, and how I have most used it, uh, and to me this is the truest way of talking about a jump scare, is that part of why a jump scare is often thought of as a negative thing is that it's almost always, in the way that I would most commonly use it, an acknowledgement that the scare itself is cheap, which is to say that the thing that makes you jump is only effective as a scare because it makes you jump, but it itself is not a scary thing. So, for example, the like really notable, popular example is like a cat that jumps into frame and makes a loud thud. And you kind of jump because there's something sudden and loud. But part of, to me, why I would ascribe jump scare to something like that and not to some other things is that the scare itself is exclusively a jump scare. Like, the reason why there's a qualifier is it's not really a scare. It's not scary. The cat is not scary. The the cat makes you jump, and that's a jump scare. Meaning it's like a hollow scare. It's a it's a sort of cheap uh, scare that comes from nothing except noise and sudden movement and things that your body naturally responds to. But once your brain processes what you're seeing, you're not actually scared of that thing. Um, the most classic example of this. Uh, by the way, and the, by the way, this is not a cheap scare at all, but uh, a, a scare that is designed to be a, like a, a mislead is, and this is, I, I guess this is like the classic example of this, is, is the, the, the bus in Cat People. So if you've ever seen the 1940s classic Jacques Tourneur directed Cat People, which by the way, unlike Alligator People, <laughs> is really smart about not showing you the cats because they know to look silly. By the way, the trailer for Cats, they know they know <laughs> what Jacques Tourneur knew that the Alligator People director didn't know, and that perhaps the director of Cats also didn't know. Is sometimes you shouldn't see things. Sometimes you shouldn't see people that look like animals because they're just silly. Um, <laughs> so. Cat people was really good about not showing you the cat people, but making you very scared of the cat people. And there's a really famous scene where, uh, oh gosh, the main character is like walking down a dark alleyway or street, maybe it's just a street at night, and she hears footsteps following her, and it's really a sound-based 
uh, scare sequence. It's incredibly well done, actually. And uh, and she hears footsteps, and they get faster. And she gets to sort of the cross street, and she hears uh, what sounds almost like the the beginning of a cat hiss, uh, or like a, a you know like an animal roar. Uh, and then it, uh, and then it kind of evolves the sound as the as a bus sort of pulls into frame, and we figure out that the thing that sounded like a cat hiss that kind of made us jump like oh the cat's in front of her, uh, or the cat's coming, uh, is was actually just a bus the whole time, uh, and so that you know that to me is kind of right. It makes you jump because you think oh there's a thing. And but then you find out it's actually harmless, and then you kind of come down from that. And to me, that's how I always think of a jump scare most, which is something that like makes you tense because you think it could be something bad, and then you find out it's not bad, and then you kind of laugh about it. And they're usually like the first or early scares in, in a horror movie because they, you know, they're not they're like what what scares you in the horror movie before the scary thing gets to the house. It's like it's like a way to in, invent horror in ordinary aspects of of the day to try and you know amplify the number of scares in the movie if you don't have a good sensibility about how to make scares in inventive ways. <laughs> um, and that's how I use jump scares, but it seems to me that people really, I think anything that makes you jump or anything that is sudden is a jump scare. And I'm going to go on record saying, I don't think that's true. <laughs> and I'm going to use, I want to use, uh, I want to use crawl as an example. So I think, I think it's important to distinguish between, and I want to talk through the way that they use in crawl and elsewhere. Uh, but I'm going to use crawl as the prime example here uh, is how uh, shock and suspense or different features of horror. And so, okay, so the easiest way to describe this, and this is like my high school film teacher's explanation of it, and so therefore I think it's probably the easiest way to do it, uh, is that, you know, suspense is, it's like two people having a conversation at a table, and the camera shows you that there's a bomb under the table, and then, right, the scene plays with you knowing that there's a bomb under the table, and you're nervous about it going off. That's suspense. Shock is... Two people are having a conversation at a table, and you don't know there's a bomb under the table, and the bomb just suddenly goes off, right? And that's shock. And it seems to me that a lot of people are saying that any use of shock in a horror movie is a jump scare. Anything that isn't kind of uh, telegraphed or, you know, or... or, or anything that doesn't announce itself or, or, or give indication that it's coming is a jump scare. And I don't think that's true. I think that's shock. I think shock is different than a jump scare. I think a jump scare is a particularly qualified kind of event in a horror movie that is a little bit cheaper because it's about a kind of suddenness rather than a deeper use of fear. And shock to me is importantly different because it's a strong feature of, uh, of a lot of horror. And I don't think we should be thinking of shock in horror movies as a negative or cheap feature because it doesn't have as much lead up as suspense. Uh, so there's there's so an example of something that I think could be called a jump scare in Crawl, by the way. So just to try and break this down, um, there's one there's one scare that I feel like, yes, I would I would be like, this is probably a jump scare. 
Uh, I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying that there aren't any jump scares in the movie. I, you know, I saw it two weeks ago, but <laughs> I don't know anymore. But I, there's one that I stuck out to me. And I was like, well, yeah, that would be it. That would be a jump scare. I think maybe possibly, even though I think it has a bit more weight than that. But it's the so there's a shot where the okay so Caius Godelier and Barry Pepper they're in the house floating in the water, uh, talking about the swim team. Which, by the way. <laughs> the amount of intensity that those two... I know that the swim team's like a metaphor for their past. I, I know, I get it. I, I understand. But there, if there are a couple of moments in this movie, truth be told, that when they're like floating in the alligator-infested waters and they're talking about swim team, and I'm just like, you need to save this for later because I cannot handle you bobbing up and down in alligator-infested waters talking about your 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 swim time. I know it's a metaphor. I know. I know it's about their past. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm, I got it. But it's still just a tiny bit ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous that anyone cares about swim team <laughs> when they might die any moment. That's a whole other note. Uh, but they're in. They're in. They're in the basement. You know, trying to survive the alligators. Uh, and uh, Kai Scalera is like flashing her or using her flashlight uh, out the window to try and get tension. Uh, and in, so there's some people robbing a convenience store or a gas station or a gas station convenience store, some combination of those things. And uh, some of those people die. Uh, you know, okay. Some of those people die. Uh, and there's one guy inside the grocery or the convenience store or the gas or whatever it was, the thing. And he's looking out into the street at his trying to find his partners who were helping him rob this place. And he sees nothing and he sees nothing. And he's sort of looking, you know, like past the window into the street, looking out uh, and, and just trying to find the people he's working with. Uh, and then the body of one of them like splats against the door. And it kind of the, the way that the, ca- the camera is positioned facing out the window, sort of almost in his kind of point of view and the body like splats at the door right in front of the, camera, which is sort of right in front of our, you know, kind of metaphorical faces as the audience sort of sitting there, it kind of comes straight into the center of the frame. And it's sudden and it's loud and it's a corpse. And I think, so that to me is like, that would to me would be a debatable jump scare. Or like that would be like something I'd be like, yeah, if you call that a jump scare, I'm okay with that because it's a sudden loud thing and it's, it makes you kind of jump back. Um, but I also feel like that's kind of, it is an intention. It's intentionally, it's using a lead up, uh, right. It's like, it's like directing your attention past the window and then putting something, uh, it's directing your attention toward the background of the shot and then putting something into the foreground very suddenly. Uh, and also the thing that's in the foreground is a dead body and that's, that's been chewed by alligators and that's scary. Like that's like a, it's not a cat. It's like, there is, it seems that's a shock scare of like something that comes really fast and is, but also is terrifying and you should, should and will be afraid of it or discomforted by it regardless of how it were presented. Um, Whereas to me, a classic jump scare is like a misdirect or a, a mislead that's like, oh, we got ya. It's not really anything scary. It's just this bus or this cat. Uh, but if you call that a jump scare, I'm kind of, you know, I, I'm on board with that at least because it's it's very sudden. It's clearly designed to get that reaction from you, a, a sort of a sudden reaction. 
but again, so 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 moments of, of shock in movies. Uh, there's two moments too. There's two other scares. Well, well, there's two scares where the same pattern is employed, and I and I like it quite a lot. And they're two of my favorite scares in the movie. So I want to break those down too here, which is, uh, and these, by the way, to me, I would describe them as suspense mixed with shock, which is a very effective combination, in my opinion. Um, and both of them are really benefited by the, the fact that they misdirect the audience intentionally. Not in a cheaper sense, like, oh, it's really just a cat, but in the sense that they play with your expectation about what will happen and what you are waiting to happen. So, you know, so if I said, you know, the, there's a bomb under the table, uh, there, you know, you're waiting for the bomb to go off and, 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 and it would, and these kind of have, uh, they kind of enter in a foreign threat or a different threat than we, we were waiting for or we were worried about. So they make you worry about something and then deliver something else, uh, which I I quite thought I liked a lot. Um, <laughs> and there's two, and one is actually in that same scene, which is uh, before the moment where the body hits the door. The you know there's two people robbing that uh, grocery convenience gas station thing and um i don't remember what it is <laughs> i just don't remember it, i know they're taking an atm machine which could be anything anyway uh but they have a boat right um the streets are flooded they have a boat um and one of them is in the boat quite intelligently and the other one is in the water like knee deep in the water and he is looking at Caius Godelero's flashlight and kind of realizing that someone is in the building across the street and uh, and so we're kind of we're led to expect that something bad's going to happen to the guy not in the boat because if it's a scary water movie the number one rule is get in the boat because if you're not in the boat right you're dead um, and then we have a shot that uh, shows the camera underwater in a very Jaws-like uh, way with seemingly of the point of view of the alligator. And so we're kind of predicting or expecting or nervous about the alligator's going to go and eat this poor guy who's knee-deep in the water looking for Caius Godelera's flashlight. Uh, and we're sort of trained to be wary of that or you know expect that to happen or you know to waiting for that to happen which is suspense but then there's this really surprise moment where there's a there's a, a kind of reversal and the caterer does emerge from the water but actually bites and attacks the, the person in the boat so the so someone gets eaten by the caterer not the person we expected and that's really simple but I, I you know i appreciate the attention to detail there because you could have just done it the, you could have just you could you you could have just had the gator attack one or the other or both of them or right I think one of the things that makes this movie a good example of what I call mediocre horror is that it has this little, sort of lovely attention to detail where it makes these choices very specifically right it gives you a lead up and then it gives you a reversal and it primes you to fear for something and then it delivers a surprise and that to me is a kind of suspense moment punctuated by a, like a shock moment because we're like oh shit I didn't think that was going to happen uh, <laughs> uh, and that takes a lot of effort and planning and time and intention and so I really appreciate them by the way this new He's directed by Alexander Aja. I didn't say that earlier. He's the director of the, among other things, the remake of The Hill, Hills Have Eyes from like the early 2000s. Um, and this is quite good, and I hope he makes more horror movies, and I hope that he takes the 
relatively positive reception of this movie well and in, invests in future movies with the same sort of glee and uh, precision as he did here. Um, and the second time this happens, it's very similar, and it's sort of the same trick twice, but I don't mind because I think they're both really good, uh, which is the second one involves the dog who lives... By the way, okay, so we just... just also a side note, uh, this movie, another factor in this movie besides the, you know, in terms of the... And by the way, I'm not a plausible, as Hitchcock would call them. Hitchcock called people who complained about plot holes plausibles, and he hated them. I'm not a plausible. I just sort of want to relish... <laughs> The strangeness of some of the movie, like I love that they're bobbing in the alligator water, talking about swim team. I think that's hysterical. I also really relish um, the fact that Barry Pepper in this movie, okay, he, she finds him and he has a bone sticking out of his leg that he then pops back in. He's been attacked by a gator. Then he drowns in the basement and she rescues him and she resuscitates him. So he fucking dies, right? Barry Pepper, he's got alligator bites. He got a, a bone sticking out of his leg. He dies. He gets resuscitated. Uh, then, uh, we're going to talk about it. He loses an arm and barely blinks. An alligator bites off his arm. He barely, you know, he's just sort of like puts a bag over it and it's like, I'm fine. He's not like spurting blood. <laughs> <laughs> he's not woozy. He also just died. Uh, and he's, he's he's just fine. He covers up the, the missing arm, and he just keeps going. I mean, Barry Pepper in this movie is freaking spry as hell. I mean, it's really, it's remarkable. It's not by any means a realistic movie. I think any of these, any of these things would have certainly uh, prevented Barry Pepper from continuing on. Uh, but you know, apparently he's just and he's just invincible, and he just keeps going and keeps ticking, which is a, a great feature of a movie like this, where you could just do that because why not? Uh, but I do think by the end, I was like, he's he should be way less mobile <laughs> than he is right now. Uh, but anyway, so the, this moment I want to talk about is the moment where he, he loses an arm. Is real. Uh, the movie is quite grisly. You've seen it if you're here or you don't care. I don't know. But the movie is quite grisly. Um, so this is, involves the dog, and so the dog is... It's established in the movie, and again, attention to detail. I really appreciate attention to detail. It's established in the movie, just one scene earlier, you know, gators are... I don't know if this is scientifically true, I have no idea, but they tell me it is, so I believe it. Gators are attracted to movement, so if you don't splash... They won't know that they won't. They're less likely to realize that you're there. So they they attempt to walk very slowly through the the waist high water to get out of the house and and, and to the boat, you know, just without making splashes. Then they end up back in the house. It gets like you know two stories high of the water, uh, and the dog is adrift. And we see the dog swimming down the hallway you know, just paddling with his little tiny feet. Uh, and we've just been told, you know, if you splash, the alligators will find you. So, you know, we just watch him splish, splash, splash, splashing. And he just, you know, he's not getting very far because he's got little legs. And it, they, the camera just stays on that shot of him just splish, splashing down the hallway. And you spend the whole time just waiting for that poor dog to get eaten. And you're like, it's going to happen. I don't know when. I just don't want to see it. And you're just, it's nerve-wracking, and this would be suspense, right? We're sort of primed to expect, right? If you're splashing, the gator will find you. We know there are gators. This dog's going to get eaten. This dog's going to get wiped out. Nothing, no, you know. No character of Elvins has died at this point. It's like time for one to go, and it's going to be Sparky, whatever his name is. And, 
And <laughs> and then the dog gets all the way to the end of the hallway, and Barry Pepper scoops him up, and he's safe. And you think, oh, that's oh, the dog made it. And then an alligator jumps out of the water and bites up Barry Pepper's arm. Uh, and this is, again, this, the same trick as the earlier one where it's like, it's just a moment of suspense where we're led to worry about something and then actually a moment of shock that reverses, you know, so we get not what we thought we would get. That's scary, but actually another also very scary thing. Uh, and I, I think just to break those down, I mean, those are to me not jump scares at all. I think those are actually very well-planned scares and they're scares that involve very conscious manipulation of the expectations of an audience. Uh, and this movie does stuff like that really well throughout, and I think that that's really commendable. Uh, so, you know, I don't know quite what to make of the overuse of the term jump scare, but I would just say uh, shock is a thing, and suspense is a thing, and if a scare is cheap, you call it a cheap scare. But I wouldn't say, I wouldn't overuse the term jump scare to dismiss all elements of shock in a movie. That's my, my kind of golden takeaway of that. So just really quickly, too, I want to talk about the ending of the movie. I uh, I mentioned this in looser terms earlier, but I wanted to revisit it uh, to talk to just to get the to give the details that go with this point, which is that I appreciate that this movie, uh, in the tradition of what I call medieval horror movies, which is true to form horror movies, you know, it has a protagonist who has a problem uh, who needs to learn something or has a goal that is something other than just surviving, which I think is an important thing to give a protagonist. And it has a dangerous, scary what's it, which in this case is gators. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, we have the growth of the primary character, the protagonist, and her experience as she improves upon herself and, and, and becomes the sort of person she needs to be to survive the movie and move on to other things. Uh, we have that parallel with a really increasing and amplifying threat of the dangerous scary what's it, which is, in this case, again, it's gators. Uh, you know, so the gators get, there's more gators, the gators get above the, the basement, we start in the basement, then they go up to the first floor, and the water keeps getting higher, there's increasing stakes, and the character has to keep, keep overcoming the stakes. But she also has to cope with something personal, which is, again, uh, the swim team is a thing, but the swim team is related to this. The swim team is a, a detail that I think is convenient uh, because it gives her uh, a sort of nimble swimming skills for the, to survive the gators. But really, the, the the like the metaphor that works better to me in the movie is that she has to go back to her family home after her parents have been divorced, and she blames herself for the divorce, and so she has to go back and confront this gator-infested, torn-to-shreds version of her child at home which is a not very subtle metaphor uh, <laughs> for the way that, you know, her child has really kind of been combusted by this divorce and, 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 and uh, uh, she has to cope with a real thing and or she has to, ha she has a real arc outside and beyond just surviving. She has, she has something to deal with. And even though I make fun of some of the cheesiness of the, the bobbing and the alligator waters having heart to hearts with the dad, uh, I really do appreciate that they are there because the movie is just careful and kind to us as an audience to give us character in doses that are appropriate um, so that we can continue to care and be invested in, in the story and the characters so that we have the scary gators getting worse and worse, but we also have the characters getting closer and better and, 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 and uh, kind of above and beyond where they started. And, and that's just kind of screenwriting 101. And to see it come together and work that way is, for me, a real joy. 
Um, and I mentioned this earlier, but, you know, so there's a moment where very much the two come together and they do a very obvious visual reference to this where she's spinning in the alligator-infested water and the gators are at this point up to, like, the, the, the almost to, like, the, the top of the helm. Uh, and she's trying to grab at this flare and the gator is spinning her around and it's grabbed a hold of her arm or her leg, I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> it's got a hold of her somewhere. Uh, and, uh, and it's, you know, and she's trying to grab the flare and they sort of, uh, intercut the, her trying to grab the flare with shots of her at the swim meet where she lost. And, uh, and so it, it, like, it's distinctly connecting the growth of her as a person and the decisions that she's going to have outside of the context of being an alligator, you know, challenged to a human who's trying to survive, uh, to the, the immediacy of surviving the gator attack. Uh, and there's a very obvious visual choice to link those things so that we have the sense that there is a climax both to the gator fight and also to her personal growth to become a person who succeeds outside of the initial situation that she found herself in at the start of the movie. Uh, and putting those things together, I know it's fairly simple, but uh, it takes care and a lot of movies don't do it. You know, <laughs> a lot of movies just don't take the time to give the character a dimension and a goal and something to accomplish and something that we, a sense that we can expect who they will be and what they will do after the, the movie ends. I and mean, the movie ends very suddenly. Um, and I think the reason that they can do that is you know, like without a one year later and we see that she's happy or, you know, or without a, a wrap up moment is because they, they've seeded so much of her growth into the, the progress of the plot that when we get to the end, we know that she's going, we, we know who, who she, she's become throughout the movie. We don't need to see one year later to know who that's going to be, which to me is a sign of a strong movie. And I think it's a, a, a smart and a, uh, a bit of a bold choice not to do a very simple wrap-up, but just to expect that having lived through this kind of dual narrative of her personal growth and her physical survival, that we will understand who she's become at the end of the movie. Uh, and I like that about this movie quite a bit. Um, that is, I think, all I have to say about Crawl. It's a lovely movie. Go see it. It's an original horror concept, and it's a small budget movie that probably needs to make money to have <laughs> to for other small budgeted horror movies to get equal and fair chance to be released theatrically and not shelved or put to Netflix. So uh, if you like horror movies, I think this is a really, a really fun and enjoyable one. If you made it to the end of this, thank you so much. Um, and uh, uh, just most importantly, I need you to know that uh, it is contagious and we do recruit, so you're totally gay now. Okay, bye. <laughs>